0: Everybody, welcome to part five of our series, Irresistible. In fact, this is our second last installment. Join us again next Sunday. I don't want you to miss out on our final message as we prepare to come back into our building. So the church never closed, but the building and us being able to gather together has obviously ceased for several, several months. Um, and I can't wait to see many of you, uh, those of you that are healthy enough and don't have comorbidities, we can't wait to see you, to see your smiling eyes and some air hugs, etc. on Sunday, the 4th of October. And so I, I don't want you to miss out on next Sunday as I wrap up this series, um, basically taking a look at how available Jesus is. So that our whole idea is that, that we believe that if you would actually just come and see if you would draw close, if you open yourself up to Jesus, that you'd find that he's actually irresistible. And next week, I want to focus on how available he is. Jesus is not the variable. I'm the variable. You're the variable. He's available, and I believe that we get to experience his presence when we choose. To be present, and I just think that one of the biggest challenges uh, to our lives at the moment is busyness, distraction. Uh, we're self-medicating, and so anyway, don't miss out next week. Today, I want to take a look in our fifth instalment on how Jesus is a leader. Jesus is a leader. At first, I was thinking along the lines of Jesus is your leader or Jesus is my leader, but then I realised, well, I can't say that He's your leader and. I've got to ask myself whether or not he's my leader. But what I can say, emphatically, is that Jesus is a leader. The only way, though, that he is my leader is if I am following. So again, I'm the variable. Jesus is available. Jesus is a leader. Jesus, I believe, has paid the highest possible price to actually Uh, free me from the stuff that gets in the way. Free me from sin to provide forgiveness and freedom. He wants to lead us. He wants to lead us into wholeness, into peace. I believe He has a life-giving, ultimately fulfilling purpose for each of our lives. And He wants to lead us into that destiny, into that purpose. But the question is whether or not we are willing to follow. And I think that in the 21st century, we are arguably in a moment in history unlike any before. And I'm not talking about COVID, I'm talking about the level of corruption and mistrust in leaders, whether it's business. <laughs> whether it's capitalism whether it's in governments certainly in my lifetime I've never ever known there would be so much turmoil in in western governments so we we're used to there being a lot of corruption and and a lot of uh, you know tension in in a lot of third world countries but but more and more in the most developed nations we're finding increased division increased uh, animosity hatred even and just a complete Mistrust of leaders. So, in fact, in some cases, to be a leader is is almost by default. I think for some people, there's an assumption, there's a subconscious assumption, that that there must be a, a like a bit of a bait and switch, that there might be um, a bit of a, a bit of a selfish agenda or selfish ambition. And yet, obviously, I believe that that Jesus is the greatest example of a leader because he was the greatest example of a servant. In fact, he said that if you want to be a leader, you have to be a servant. And Jesus. Served mankind. Jesus paid the highest price in order to actually allow us to, to to build a bridge for us to reconcile in a relationship with God. The challenge for me, maybe not for you, but the challenge for me is that every now and then I've got to ask myself: Am I following Jesus? It's easy for me to say he's my leader. It's easy for me to say that yeah, 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 he's God. And, yeah, I'm sure he's got this, and I believe in him, and I think he knows what's best. But am I actually following? The only way that Jesus is my leader is if I am actually following him, if I am following his principles as expressed through the Bible. Am I following some of the explicit practices that that he instructed through the Bible? Am I trying on a daily basis? To obey his prompts, so I believe that there are clear principles and, and practices as described in the Bible. But then there's just the daily. I'm in a relationship with him, and so I'm, I'm I'm actually being made aware of his prompts. Am I actually following his prompts? The key verse for today, very simple, is that as, as found in Matthew chapter sixteen, verse twenty-four, where this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, "If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way." Take up your cross and follow me I don't want to be cheeky, but it's almost like that's not that profound right like this makes sense if if you want to be Jesus follower you've got to actually follow him and at the risk of insulting you or, or patronizing you I my big idea today is is to just simply get us to reflect on whether or not Jesus is Our leader, or are we even looking? Are we investigating, exploring, allowing him to be our leader? And that is determined by whether or not I am actually following him. There are so many examples throughout my life of where I've had to review, reflect on, uh, and sometimes be honest with myself about the fact that I'm actually not allowing God. I'm not allowing Jesus to lead me in certain areas of my life. And I think as human nature, we, we want to allow him to, to lead certain areas that we, where we want him to take care of that. So Proverbs 3, verse 4, 5 and 6 says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your, your paths straight. You see, sometimes we want him just to bless our money, or we want him to bless our health, but like that's it. Jesus, keep your hands off my relationships. Keep your hands off my sexuality. Keep your hands off my business. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't ask you to give advice on how you know whether or not I obey the tax laws. I just want you to bless me. And so that's not actually following Jesus as my leader. Um, there've been times where I've had to where I've had to be sensitive and say, Am I actually forgiving people like Jesus has instructed me to forgive? Am I? In my case, there have been times where, where I have felt challenged to, towards leadership responsibilities that in my own human nature I have preferred to shy away from. And, and, I've, got, and I've had to kind of evaluate. Am I, am I wanting to shy away from this because of insecurity, which is another way of saying ego, or, 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 you know, a, am, I, or am I not hearing God? In other words, am I willing to obey God? Because if, if it's an obedience issue, well, then I'm going to do it whether I want to or not whether I feel like it or not, whether I feel qualified or not, if I know that God's telling me to do that, I'm going to obey that no matter what. There have been times where uh, I have had to obey God's promptings financially when it comes to, certainly when it comes to tithing, when it comes to missions, when it comes to social justice. That's for me. I can't put that on just someone else. I'm saying I've had to work that stuff out and say, God, am I actually following You? I've had to often ask myself whether or not there's any difference between my life and the life of someone who's not following Jesus. Do I have the same level of trust and hope and faith in a pension, a medical aid, a salary, as someone who doesn't have Jesus as the Lord of their lives? Do I handle conflict? Do I do do an eye for an eye? Do I, do I, you know? Do I fight with the same level of aggression and bullying when there's conflict as someone who is not in a relationship with Jesus and is not allowing him to change our hearts? Am am I allowing it to influence? Am I allowing Jesus' leadership to influence the way that I handle conflict? Am I allowing Jesus' leadership to influence some of the key decisions that I make in my life? Or is it purely what I feel like? Is it purely financial? Or is it purely what I think, you know, is going to make life a bit more comfortable? Because Jesus never promised, ultimately, He never promised and guaranteed comfort and convenience or safety and security. And we'll see that in a few moments as we just look further at this exact same passage. These are, so, they're just so many examples of where I've had to, in some cases, say, okay, God, what do you want? Help me to do that. And in other cases, say, God, I think I knew what you wanted and I didn't do it. And so I've had to repent, and I've had, which means simply to, to change direction. So if I'm going in that direction, I've had to repent and go in the direction that God actually wants me to go in because that's what it means if He's my leader. I want to challenge you. Obviously, I'm speaking primarily to those of you that are already in a relationship with God, but I think one or two things are going to encourage those of you that are perhaps not yet in a relationship with God and you're exploring Christianity. But I want to challenge you for a moment. If you call yourself a Christian, I want to challenge you not to allow that just to be cultural. Don't allow that just to be your worldview. Don't allow that just to be something that you know you were kind of brought up with, and yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I think I subscribe to that. I'm not, I'm not Hindu or Muslim or, or something else. No, no, no. You're not a Christian because that's that's your reference point. The only way that you're a Christian in God's eyes is if you are following. Jesus. In fact, it would probably be better for us to even do away in the 21st century with the term Christian because it's so misused and abused. My encouragement or my challenge to you, if you consider yourself to be a believer, a Christian, is are you following Jesus? Are you sure? Why do you think you're following Jesus? Leadership ultimately is about trust. So let me encourage you there are so many elements to leadership, and yes, leadership is influence, and so that's why I would argue that even if you don't trust leadership in general, even if you don't trust a particular person, I want to argue that all of us are being led in some way or another. So all of us are giving influence in our lives, either to, either to Hollywood or to, you know, the, the California sort of tech industry or to mainstream media or to a post-postmodern, you know, secular worldview. We're all giving. Something is influencing us. We we are all allowing various cultural uh, trends to inform and influence us. So please just understand, you don't not have a leader. We all have a leader. It's just a question of whether or not we're following that leader to a place of life. And so you have to be discerning. You have to be honest with yourself to say, well, is this actually producing the kind of results... That, that I think I should be experiencing in my life. And so, so besides unpacking influence and all the rest, the, the main idea I want to just end off with today is this idea of trust. For us to actually follow a leader, perhaps before anything else and after everything else and sustains everything else is actually this idea of trust. Do I trust my leader? And so this is where I want to encourage you. Whether you are exploring Christianity or you've been on the road for a long time, three quick ideas. Number one, is that trust actually takes time. Trust takes time. It's okay if you're not sure whether or not you trust Jesus yet. It's okay if you're not sure whether or not you want to make him your leader yet because actually trust takes time. That is okay. In fact, I think that a lot of people that have read the Bible, or at least in bits and pieces, but but maybe not, not read enough of it, or under the impression that Jesus walked past some random fishermen, some guys that were you know, preparing for fish and chips on the side of the, of the lake, and it was just like, hey, guys, you guys, follow me. And they almost like went into this trance as though Jesus you know, sprinkled some pixie dust, and they just started following him, I don't know, you know like, like almost like on this cloud where they, where they just were just like drifting magically into following Jesus. It wasn't like that. If we read the four Gospels, that's the first four books of the New Testament, all four of which kind of describe a different, from a, from a different angle the life of Jesus. If we read them properly, we see that these uh, early followers, we call them disciples, these early followers, they had actually already been exposed to Jesus. They had, they had seen Him. They, 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 they weren't... They didn't just blindly follow him off the bat, having never heard of him, having never seen him, having never earned a bit of credibility. So I'm saying it's okay if it takes you a little bit of time to to actually develop a trust in Jesus. But that is quite an active thing to do that. It's not, don't wait until someone knocks you over the head. You've got to actually be willing to open yourself up to Jesus in order to see. Whether or not what he says works. And that's why I keep saying you don't have to believe the Bible to read the Bible. You actually need to read the Bible to discover whether or not you believe the Bible. So as you read the Bible, as you do what Jesus said to do, and as you try and create space to give him opportunity to to prompt you, to speak to you, you'll find, you'll find out very quickly whether or not this actually seems to produce fruit. So it does take time. So if I go back a few verses earlier from the one I read a few moments ago in Matthew 16, in verse 21, it says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly. Like, it's weird for us to think that he made this so clear, yet they still missed it. It says that he told them plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So Jesus was already like preparing them. He was warning them. And and truth be told, I mean, they I think they liked Jesus. <laughs> they had a lot of hope in Jesus. But actually, it was only after what Jesus said here came true. So it was only after the Easter story. It was only after Jesus was first killed, and they were disillusioned and, and dispersed and discouraged. And then three days later, on the third day, he's he's raised to life, and he, and he proves Himself to them so compellingly that they, it was like, hands down, we believe, to the point that they were all literally willing to die for Jesus. I'm saying that, that it took time. They weren't as confident about who Jesus was, even though He was telling them this stuff, until they saw it actually come to pass. So I just want to encourage you, it's okay if you're not sure. Yes, it takes time, but, but it means that you still have to be diligent as you put into practice what you think Jesus is saying, and then you see for yourself whether or not it produces fruit. Number two, trust is tested. Trust is tested. So if Jesus is going to be your leader, don't be discouraged. <laughs> don't be surprised if every now and then you actually find that it feels like Feels like God's testing me right now. Feels like he's allowing me to go through some stuff and and seeing how I'm going to respond, you know, how I'm going to handle this. As we go on in that exact same story, we see that Jesus didn't fit into Peter's expectations, and so Peter was tested in whether or not he would adjust himself to Jesus' perspective or if he was going to try and influence Jesus into his perspective. So verse 22, it goes on to say that Jesus took him aside. This, uh, sorry, Peter took Jesus aside. Look at this. He began to reprimand Jesus. How would you like to be the guy <laughs> that the world has been reading about for 2,000 years where you try to correct Jesus, the Son of God? So after, after Jesus has said, hey, guys, hey, guys, this is what's going to happen. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be falsely accused and tried and convicted and killed I'm going to suffer at the hands of man. Peter's hearing this, and he's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound right. And he actually pulls Jesus aside, and he reprimands him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Now, before you judge Peter, let's be honest. All of us, at some stage or another, probably many stages, have tried to correct God. I wonder how many times during COVID we've tried to correct God. I wonder, I wonder how when your marriage isn't working out, you try and correct God. Say, no, 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 I don't, I, this, I don't think this was your plan. Why did you allow this to happen? And we want to make you know, an alternate arrangement. Things can happen at work, at school, in relationships, and we want to correct God. But if he's the leader, then we're going to try and rather adjust ourselves to him as opposed to trying to adjust him to us. So Peter tries to correct, he reprimands Jesus. Jesus, look at this, turns to him and says, get away from me, Satan. Now, I don't think that he was literally actually calling Peter Satan. I think he was speaking to the actual force or the actual influence behind Peter's words. It seemed so kind, so protective, so constructive, but actually, I think Jesus was saying, there's a demonic force, there's a satanic force behind you trying to Protect me and fight for comfort and convenience and safety and security when actually God's ways are not your ways, Peter. And there's something bigger at stake here, and it's worth it. It's okay for me to suffer because ultimately it's going to rescue mankind. Look at what what Jesus says to Peter. He says that you are a dangerous trap to me. Sometimes our thinking can be a dangerous trap if we're not submitting our thoughts. To God, If we're not submitting our thoughts to how the Bible describes God's way of thinking. And lastly, He says, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And so, and so Peter here is tested, and we see him failing as he tries to normalize Jesus. And I want to encourage you today. There are going to be things that God is going to prompt you towards. There are going to be things that God is going to invite you towards that is going to seem very counterintuitive. It's not going to make sense to everybody. But if he's your leader, and obviously you need to test that and, and you need to you need to test whether or not God's testing you. So yes, you need to be thoughtful. I'm not asking you to go bet the farm and do anything foolish, but I'm saying you might need to test with mature believers, with people that know the Bible. But make no mistake, there are going to be times where God is going to ask you to do something counterintuitive and it's going to be a testing. I came across this story again the other day and, and it's often stood out to me as being a little bit weird where, where in John chapter 6 verse 5 we see that Jesus actually tested his disciples in verse 5 it says Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people this is this is just before he you know uh, feeds the 5,000 he saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him and then turning to Philip so he was very intentional about this he asked where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Jesus knew it was an impossible question. Verse 6 says he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Maybe you feel like there's no way that's God. There's no way that God would ask me to do this because it's impossible. There's no way that I can do it in the natural. And you might be right. You might not be able to do it in the natural. But what if God is actually testing you to see whether or not you're going to focus on what you can't do or if you're going to focus on a little bit that you can do. It's, I just want to encourage you, it's okay. It is consistent with the nature of God that you may be tested. Whether or not you're following Jesus as your leader will be tested at times, and that's okay. We see Philip's response, which probably a lot of us can relate to and we're encouraged. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And then take a look at Peter's brother. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? I don't know if you can see the subtle difference in attitude. So so Andrew is still acknowledging that this isn't enough to feed everybody, but at least he's acknowledging what there is. And I, I can't help but feeling, in fact, even as I've been thinking about this message for a while and And preparing for this message, I just feel like there could be something impossible to achieve, that God is actually prompting you to do the little bit that is possible. So you're looking at what is impossible, but God's actually prompting you to do the little bit that is possible, and maybe you take your little bit that is possible, and maybe He fills in the difference, and together you can actually do the impossible. And that's exactly what happened in the rest of that story. You can read in John chapter 6 when you have a chance, but... But Jesus took that little bit. He took the little bit that Andrew brought, and Jesus blessed it, and he multiplied it, and they fed thousands and thousands of people. And I just can't help feeling that that even in this season, there are people that are almost allowing a bit of a victim mentality to kick in, where they're saying, well, you know, this is the industry right now, the economy's shot. you know, tourism, uh, p- people aren't buying, you know merchandise anymore and so you might be in an industry that's really challenging i know for others they're making a killing but you might be in one of those areas where you're saying i can't find a job right now i can't do anything right now and you're almost feeling a bit helpless as though you're a victim and my encouragement to you please please hear what i'm saying my encouragement to you is not to focus on what's impossible my encouragement is to focus on what is possible this might sound a little bit strange to you, but I feel like there are people that that can't formally find work right now. That needs to go and volunteer somewhere. No strings attached. So not manipulatively saying, yeah, hey, hey, can I come and volunteer for you? Can I come in and and work for you for free? Um holding on to this almost like aggressive grudge that if they don't land up paying you for your service, you know, you think that they've done your dirty. No, no. I'm saying I actually think that there are people I remember years ago, I I even said a few times to young people, guys, if you can't find work, just go to a local shopping center and just collect. I mean, this was when there weren't people that were helping with trolleys, but like just collect trolleys, just pick up litter, just do something. And I'll tell you why, because in Galatians 6 verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. It doesn't say he reaps where he sows. It says he reaps what he sows. So you might find that you're picking up litter along the road or the beach eight hours a day or six hours a day or four hours a day. I, I don't know. Hopefully it's not litter. Maybe you can find some other constructive way to contribute. But, but you might not get something from where you are investing, but you might find that out of nowhere another opportunity arises or God provides in some other way. And and at first you might be quite freaked out about this and, and it feels totally weird and undeserved but somewhere along the line, I think the penny's going to drop for you that God won't be mocked. You will reap what you sow. In fact, I've literally seen this with, with, with some young adults just recently where, where, again, because of their diligence, because of their faithfulness in other seasons, I feel like God has actually honored them in this season. In fact, I was literally talking to someone a little bit earlier this week where he was saying, like, Jason, it just feels so weird. Like Like, they're working hard, but they feel like, the, the results are just so much greater than the effort they're putting in. But I know this person, I said, I think you guys have been really, really diligent for a number of years. Like you've been faithful in the, I think you've been sowing and maybe you're busy reaping right now. And again, you might say, well, well, how long? How long do I have to do this? I don't know. <laughs> it could be a couple of days. It could be a couple of months. I honestly don't know, but God won't be mocked. You'll reap what you sow and then verse 9, it goes on to say, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time. I don't know what that is. God does, and if I believe He's my leader, I'm going to accept that. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Trust takes time. Trust is tested. And lastly, trust, number three, is obedient. That's obedient. We go back to the verse we started off with, Matthew 16:24. Jesus said to His disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus is only our leader if we are following. It goes on in verse 25 to say, if you try to hang on to your life, this is is Jesus speaking, not Jason. If you try to hang on to your own life, in other words, your way, what you think is going to work, your strategy, your formula, you will lose it. It's so counterintuitive. I know, I know, I know, I know. But if you give up your life for my sake, in other words, if you surrender your way, if you surrender your will to his will, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? In other words, I think Jesus is saying, you can do it your way, but your way is going to lead to you losing your soul. Or you can trust me, the creator, the sustainer, like the master planner, you can trust me to lead you in the way that's going to actually lead to life. And I, I get it that it's counterintuitive. But we need to surrender to his will. Trust is ultimately going to lead to obedience. Even if you're tempted to you know, hold off on making a decision... Somewhere along the line, even your refusal to make a decision is making a decision and you are actually refusing to try following Jesus. And that's why even the tagline for for this series is, the the heading is irresistible, but the tagline is just come and see, just come and see, could it be, could he be God, could he be the savior, could he be the one to bring you freedom and purpose? But trust is ultimately going to obey. In John 14 verse 15, this is Jesus again speaking. He said, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, in other words, if he, if if I trust him, if he is my leader, well then slowly but surely I'm going to try and do what he's asking me to do. And there are times where you're going to fail, you're going to mess up, but I'm going to try again. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to repent. I'm going to confess." I'm going to try again. I love the way John Ortberg puts it so simply in conclusion, so simply. He just says, just do the next right thing that you know to do. Just do the right next thing that you know to do. Well, Andy Stanley puts it this way, obedience to the known will of God. So that, so that which you know is pretty clear, pretty obvious, paves the way to the unknown will of God. So as I wrap up today, my question to you is where are you needing to follow? Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is there someone that you need to confess to and take responsibility for and, and do what you can to repair and to make reparations? Is there, is there somewhere that God's telling you to serve and not just in church but at home? Like Are there, are there things that you know that you're neglecting where you can actually be a blessing at home is there somewhere that you can sow good seeds can you be diligent at work like maybe even as as i've been talking today maybe you're sensing a little bit of conviction a little bit of a question mark over whether or not you're actually honoring god at work or at school is there someone that you need to apologize to or are you even just sensing god's invitation to actually spend time with him daily he is only our leader if we are following jesus is a leader my encouragement whether you're exploring christianity or you think you're a christian already my encouragement is to make him your leader father i pray in jesus name that you would open our eyes soften our hearts and help us to actually understand how absolutely trustworthy Jesus is but even if we're not convinced that God would you please help us to simply take the next step just to do the next right thing that we know to do so that over time we will actually get to see that you won't be mocked we will reap what we sow Jesus is who he says he is and and that would give him the opportunity to prove that to us that we would ultimately trust him as our leader even when his ways are not our ways And even when His thoughts are not our thoughts, and even when it doesn't make sense, and even when it's counterintuitive, help us to follow Jesus. I know, God, I know that following Jesus leads to life. And so I pray that for every person that is watching or listening today, in Jesus' name, that we would say yes to Jesus and that we would keep saying yes to Jesus day in and day out as we follow our leader who leads to life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.